Glory to God, amen. Luke chapter 21, we're beginning in verse number 8. We're seeing here in this passage that one of the, the instances where Jesus was getting the church ready for the last days. How many of you think you were in the last days? If we're not, we're getting close. Amen. If not, we can smell it from here. Um, but we're getting close, but nobody knows that it's truly the last day, but we know it's the last days, the season. Uh, but, but the, the apostles and the disciples began to get worked up. When, when's everything going to go down, Lord? And Jesus addresses it here in verse number eight. He said, take heed that you be not deceived. Now, the word take heed is an interesting word. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible. It actually means when you're launched out in a boat to put it in reverse and come back. To, and if you know anything about going out in a boat, it's hard. Once you start to launch out, it's hard to, you got a full press stop, and then you got to come all the way back. Take heed means that you can be very easily taken away by different thoughts. And I want you to know right now, people are giving all kinds of opinion. People are speaking from a place of fear. People are speaking from a place of being a hireling. They're taking advantage of the church. People are speaking from all kinds of ways. But I want you to know there's one thing that's the truth, and that's the word of God. And Jesus said, take heed. Take heed. That means don't be easily moved by men in this day. It's very important that you understand that in the last days, the closer we get to the return of the Lord, the more people are going to be misled. You have to understand that. You have to understand that the, the, the devil knows that his time is short and he will be working in overtime to, dis, to disrupt what God is doing, to bring discouragement to the child of God. And to bring you to a place where you're misled. Notice what he said. Take heed that you be not deceived. Many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. The word Christ means anointed. How many people do you know said, I'm anointed. I am the anointed man of God. He said, the many will come in his name saying, I am Christ. And the time draws near. Go ye not therefore after them. But... When you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Can I tell you something? War is scary. War is deadly. And the reality is, is that people don't like their world to be torn up. The reality is, is we don't like things to be changed. We don't like the unknown. We like to know that we've got food in the pantry. We like to know we've got gas in the gas tank. We like to know that our doctor said we're going to live another 70 years. But the reality is, is that food could be spoiled. They could poke a hole in your gas tank and you could die of a heart attack in one instant. We like, we like that, that safety net. We like that protection. But I want you to know that if your safety net is something that is materialistic, if your safety net is something that is worldly, if your safety net is something that is made of this earth, it is temporal, it won't last, and there's coming a day that it will fail you. Everything of this world will go away one day. The only thing that will remain is our God and those that are His. And I want you to know something this morning. People are being stirred up and stirred about by all these wars and rumors of wars that are going on. Oh, is this Gog and Magog? Is this Psalm 83? What's going on right now? 
Well, the reality is, is that wars have been going on forever. Wars have been going on forever since Genesis. Wars have been going on. And they're going to continue to go on until the Lord comes back. But from now till this day, the most important thing is, is not what kind of war it is, not whose war it is, but who are you and who do you belong to. That you not be carried away by fear. That you not give in to fear. That you not give in to what the enemy seeks to do. I want you to see something. There's two things, two words of warnings, and then an encouragement. Jesus said, don't be moved when you hear of wars. Everybody knows that right now. And you know what we do? We pray for peace in the land. We pray, we pray that all the wars stop. But the reality is, is that there's going to be wars. And the second thing is commotions. Now, this, this is awesome. The word commotion here is pretty interesting. It means this, a state of disorder. Now think about the last days. Jesus said there's going to be war and there's going to be commotion. The definition for commotion, I look, I, I use the Webster's Dictionary. We don't need a theology de- degree to open up a dictionary. You look up commotion in the Webster's Dictionary, it says a state of disorder. I think that pretty much describes America today. We are in a state of disorder. We've, we've entered into this for a long time. Satan has destroyed our families. He's destroying the foundation of this nation. And he's tried to destroy the church. The church has brought in hirelings, set up nightclubs, and gone every which way except back to the book. We we preach everything else under the sun that you can be except what God is and what he did at Calvary. And until we get back to those righteous paths, until we get back to that narrow path, until we get back to that old path, we will continue to be taken away. But the commotion means a state of disorder. Here's the Webster further went on. He said it means something that is irregular, confusion, neglect of rule. Think about that. And another part of it, he said it's a, it's a moving away from holy order. No peace in society. Out of what's regular. I believe, how many of you know, um, I've seen people say, I I woke up today to see what level of revelation we're in. What they mean by that is the world has gotten chaotic in the last few years. And nobody knows what's happening next. Neither do I. But I know who does. That's God. God. And I know that nothing takes my God by surprise. And I know that he will guide us along by his Holy Spirit. I know that he will give us light in the midnight hour. I know that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. I know that the Comforter abides within and he will speak a word in due season and he will keep me headed in the right direction. His word will be a lamp for my feet, a light for my path, and he will not leave my side, but he will stick closer than a brother because he loves for me and he guides me through every wind and wave that the world brings. There are commotions in our world. There are commotions in our generation. In a lot of ways, the fabric of society is being turned upside down. People are teaching little boys that they can become little girls. Fabric of society is being torn away. We endorse sipping saints. Fabric of the church is being torn away. Shacking up saints. The fabric of the church is being torn away. 
The thing about the church is you will, they will teach everything, how to grow in your finances, how to grow in your wisdom, how to grow in this. But listen, if you're not growing in holiness, you're not growing in God. Until we get that. I want you to know that. You can learn all kinds of things you've never learned before. Oh, I didn't know that that guy did that. And I didn't know this guy did that. Well, listen, you're not growing if you're not growing in holiness. If you're not growing in a desire to be like God. Because the closer you get to God, the more you know God, the more his Holy Spirit will be within you. The more you'll grow to be like him. He's cultivating you to to be like Christ. To be like Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is holy. He didn't stop being holy. And if he's in you, then he's, he's working in you holiness. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so there's, there's all kinds of things that go on in the church. And, and it, one, of the, one of the things about commotions, Jesus said, is not to be terrified. But listen, commotion means a state of disorder. And one of the things that happens in the church is even a state of disorder. When people are not held to a biblical standard anymore. When we don't preach the gospel anymore. We preach about the gospel, but we don't preach the gospel. I've heard so many times people say, sow a seed in our ministry so we can preach the gospel. Sow a seed in our ministry so we can preach the gospel. I follow their ministries, and I never heard one time them talk about the dead, burial, and resurrection of God incarnate. I never heard them talk one time about unless you're born again, you will go to hell. I never heard them say one time about the necessity of the Holy Ghost to live a holy life in an unholy world. Tell me the gospel. Tell me the gospel. So the, 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 the moving away from holy order, like I said, it even affects the church. You look at the way that people treated the pandemic. They don't have to go to church anymore. It's a state of disorder. We, 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 we don't have church meetings anymore. We don't have communion with God anymore. And that's why we don't have power anymore. That's why you got to amplify the music. That's why you got to have reverb. That's why you got to have stage lights and props. That's why you got to have floating lasers behind the preachers. That's why you've got to have the aurora because there's no power. If you don't have the presence of God, you've got to make up for it. And you see these commotions, they get you into a place of disorder. How many of you remember whenever nobody had any toilet paper on the shelves? You talk about some, you talk about some people getting in a state of disorder. They got in disorder real quick. I remember seeing some ladies fight in Walmart over toilet paper. Fought over toilet paper. What is that? That's disorder. That's a society that's crumbling. Those are tremors. Jesus said that these things are going to be like birth pains. They're going to increase in frequency and in magnitude. And anybody that's given birth, you can testify. Those things, they increase in, in, in magnitude and in frequency. And, and those, the things that are going on in our society are going to do the very same thing. And what does Jesus say after that? After these commotions, what's he say? Be not terrified. How are you going to be not terrified when there's no toilet paper on the shelf? How are you going to be not terrified when churches don't meet anymore? The church looks like a nightclub. 
I can't tell you how many times I'll get an email from somebody and they'll say, you know, I'm so thankful that you talk about that because our church turned into a nightclub and I can't stand it. And you know, the reality is, is that there's, there's, there is truth and people know what the truth is and they know, they know when they're being sold a bill of lies. And in our society today, politicians are coming up and they're trying to calm the disorder. But I want you to know that, that disorder is going to continue. You can put your hope in cryptocurrency. You can put your hope in a, you can bury a bunker down 10 miles down below the earth and all this stuff and get all your, you know, your, your, your food that'll last for 50 years. God never called us to do that. God told us to be a light in darkness. He didn't say put the light, put a bushel over the light, put it down under the earth for 10 years, 10 miles down there and bury yourself. Don't come out. We're supposed to come out of the dark. We're supposed to let our light shine. We're supposed to understand the greatest battle is not whether we survive in the flesh, but whether we survive in the spirit. And that's the reality of the matter. We have to all make that choice. Whether we're striving to, to live in the flesh or striving to serve God in the spirit. And if you strive to serve God in the Spirit in the last days, things will come against you. The devil don't like it. I mean, this just this past this past uh, Friday night when we were we we were out witnessing. In one moment, we prayed with a guy that never heard about Jesus before, never heard Jesus, never heard the gospel, never heard anything about God. We prayed with that guy first time. Two minutes later, guy almost hits us with a truck, cussing us out. Devil don't like what the, what God's doing, and I'm telling you, in the last days, the devil is going to roar. He's going to stomp his feet. He's going to huff and he's going to puff. But I want you to know something: he can't touch a child of God. There's a bloodline that the devil cannot cross. And if you'll get right with God, you'll be protected from everything that comes against you. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Let them talk. Let them be worried. Let the commotions rage. But Jesus said, don't be terrified. Well, I want to tell you something about being terrified. There's there's two things I want to tell you about being terrified. Number one, the only way that you cannot be terrified when you look out and everything's chaotic and everything's... look, and, And a lot of times the enemy knows, the enemy works under the surface and he knows when to attack. He knows when you're not prayed up. He knows when you're discouraged. He knows when you've got a little bit of doubt and he'll spring those attacks in those weak moments. He knows what he's doing. He's been around a while. But as Paul said, we know him, we know his tricks, and greater is our God. But we've got to put on the armor of God and stand against his attacks. Peter said, resist him. Resist him and he'll flee. A lot of times people don't resist the devil, though. But here's what I want you to see about being terrified. There's only one way you cannot be terrified. Listen to this. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, perfect love. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. 
I don't know what the fear is. Fear of being left alone, fear of bad health, fear of sickness, fear of financial ruin, fear of cryptocurrency, fear of dollar bill, fear of, fear of interest rate, gas, fear of job loss, fear, fear, fear. But my Bible tells me perfect love cast out all fear. Where does perfect love come from? Jesus. John 3.16, the most famous American verse. God so what? Loved. Where, where is perfect love found? Calvary. What did God? God so loved us so much what? He gave. He gave his only begotten son. And whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to know something. God's not satisfied if you're perishing. You need to hear that. There's, there's a reality in it that God's not, God doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell, and God is also not satisfied if you're perishing inside. I've been there. You, on the outside, you've got that hard... Everything's fine, I'm fine, everything's great, I'm great. But on the inside, you're crumbling. Fearful. Not sure what's going on. Wish that things were different. Can I tell you, perfect love casts that out. Perfect love casts that out. You'll never know that until you come to the cross and allow your heart to fall in love with God. It's not a wham, bam, you're gone on your way. It is coming there, abiding there, realizing what's going on, letting the love of God wash over you, letting the love of God like a water hose pour into you and run all the filth and all the grime out, letting the love of God. As you look at that cross, as you receive his word, as you bow down to the Holy Spirit, God will begin to work in you and he'll remove every doubt. He'll remove every fear. He'll remove every guilty stain. But until we, until we come to that place, we will be moved by terror. We will be terrified. And, and, and toilet paper not being on the grocery shelf is the least of our worries. I promise you. There's ways around that. But what's coming on America and what's coming on the nations of the world is worse than toilet paper not being on the shelf. And we have to make sure we get to that cross and we are made perfect by his love. And listen, let that perfect love cast out all fear so that we're no longer terrified. So that we're no longer terrified. The, the, the thing is, is when, when perfect love casts out all fear, then the wars, rumors of war, all of that kind of stuff, whatever happens on CNN or Fox News or whatever you do, it don't matter. God's still on the throne. Can I tell you a secret? God wins. God wins. His people win. The devil's not going to win. The lizard people aren't going to win. The liars aren't going to win. The conspiracy theories aren't going to win. God's going to win. God comes out ahead. And as long as you stay right with him, you'll be all right. But God gives you that choice. Now, I want to tell you something. This is the part I really want you to hear. So turn with me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I want you to know that outside of that, that perfect love, you know, that perfect love of God is, is God's presence. How many of you love God's presence? 
let's, I need to redefine that because we do live in America where they have the TV preachers, right? I don't mean presents like Christmas presents. Because the church in America, all we think of God is, is a present giver. Gimme, gimme, gimme. New boat, new house. New car. Better clothes. New watch. You always think about God as the present giver. I don't mean how, much, how many of you love God's presence. I mean how many of you love God. The presence of God. C-E. His very being. That he's welcome in your home. That when, when, when the TV's on, God's presence is there. That whatever I'm doing, no matter what time of day, no matter what day of the week, no matter where I am or who I'm with, God's presence is always welcome in my life. That there's no, there's no shadow of turning in me because I want his presence all the time. You see, in, in, in that place where his presence is, can I tell you something? That's what Adam ran from. I'm going to tell you something. Adam and Eve hid from the presence of God because they weren't right, and God's always right. And whenever a person is not right, they'll run from the presence of God. I've seen it time and time and time again. When the anointing of God is on a minister and the minister begins to minister, guess what happens to the people that aren't right? They either get right or they get lost. But they don't just sit. When you're not right, you go and hide, just like Adam and Eve did. They went and they hid themselves from God. Like, you can do that. You can't do that. You can move to Idaho to run away from your problem, but your problem will follow you till you get right with God. You can go change your name and change your hair color, but God knows where you're at, and he knows what you're doing. And God's not satisfied while we walk in rebellion to him. God's not satisfied while your family walks in rebellion to him. And God will be after them. Because God loves us. God loves us. What I wanted to say, though, is that 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 presence of God, outside that presence of God, that, that perfect love, outside of that, people live in fear. They live in panic. They get greedy. They get selfish. See, when you're not made perfect by the love of God, then you begin to take on and reflect the world. There's one safe place for you. Mary found it. There's one safe place for you. Mary found it. It's at the feet of Jesus. I want to tell you something. God's calling you to the cross. God's calling you to his feet. God's calling you to come and to abide at his feet. And God will do for you what nothing else can. Listen to this in Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is what the church world needs to hear. This is what the church world needs to hear. What, uh, the shadow here represents the protective blessing of God. You know, there's, there's, there's times when, um, 
whenever I'm walking and my dog will walk, he'll, she'll, she'll either walk right beside me or she'll even walk between my legs because she knows she's, she's fine in my presence. She's fine in my presence. She's not going to get out in front of me, get away from me. And I, and, and, and I love that, and that's, the, that's symbolic of this. When it talks about the shadow here, that's meaning that you abide where God is. That you love to be where He is. That you love to do what He does. You love to go where He goes. You love what He loves and you hate what He hates. You enjoy what He enjoys and you turn away from what He turns away from. To, 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 to abide under the shadow of the Almighty means that you are content in His presence all the time and never content away from Him. You see, there, there, there is a place. you got to hear this part. There is a place, there is one place, there is a place where the effect of the environment is limited. There's one place where the effect of the environment is limited. I tell you, there, there can be chaos, war, rumors of wars, commotions, pestilence, earthquakes, There can be all kinds of things going on in the world, but there's one place where the effect of the environment is limited. It's in the shadow of the Almighty. If you'll learn this, if you'll learn this, no matter what goes on in our world, you'll be okay. The psalmist here says that he dwells in the secret place. That means that it's not a casual thing, number one, and it's not a, 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 a once-a-month thing, number two. It's not a go to church every now and then and get your spiritual fix in. To dwell in the secret place means that you purpose in your heart to never leave God. As Ruth told her mother-in-law, I'm not leaving. She said, go back home. She said, no. I'm going where your people will be my people. Your God's going to be my God. I'm not leaving. You take two steps, I'll take two. You sit down, I'm sitting down. And, and, and see, that goes past going to church on Sunday. That goes way beyond casual church attendance. And I'm going to tell you this. Until you get to that place, you're going to be moved by the commotions that are coming in the world. You're going to be moved by the things that go on in life. But there is a place that, where you'll find yourself unmovable. There's a place where you'll find protection from God. There's a place where you'll find that the heat of the world can't touch you. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got put in that fiery furnace, but there was a shadow on them. There was a fourth man in the fire. They were abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. Even though they were in a fire, the shadow of God was greater than the fire of man. And no matter how much and how intense and how hateful the world is, the shadow of the Almighty will protect His children. 
And I don't know how intense the battle is in your life, but I'm telling you, if you'll come back to God, if you'll abide in his presence, if you'll get under the shadow of the Almighty, he will protect you, he will guide you, he will nurture you, he will help you, he will strengthen you, he will equip you, and no matter how hot the world brings the heat, God will cool you. The shadow represents the the nurturing effect of God. It it represents the closeness that you have to God. And it's so powerful to understand this. It's so powerful to understand. People run from the presence of God because the presence of God, you listen, in order for you to abide, in order for you to dwell in the secret place, guess what? You can't dwell in the world. You can't dwell in two places. You can't serve two masters. You, you, it's like a fork in the road. If, if you just stay straight when there's a fork in the road, guess what? You're going to have to call the insurance company. And the fork in the road is your choice. God gives you the choice. He doesn't force you to choose. He gives you the choice. If you want to take the hard way and you want to live the way of the world and you want to try to make it on your own, God will let you. He said, I said before you, life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life. He even tells you which side of the fork to take. It's like if you're lost and you take directions from some, some old guy, which way? Well, when you come to the fork in the road, go right. You come up to the fork in the road and you say, hmm, I'll just go the other way. God gives you that choice. He gives you that ability to choose. And I want you to know something. God wants you to choose him. He loves you. And he wants the best for you. But you'll never understand what that is until you dwell in the secret place with him. Until you learn to abide under his shadow. Until you learn that. Until you stay in that place of abiding under that shadow of the Almighty. You'll never understand that. But it, that's the one place that God wants you to live. Well, like I said, many, many times people run from the presence of God because it, 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 it commands holiness and purity. If you've got impurity in your life, God will deal with it. When you come and you come to dwell in that secret place, God will show you sin. He'll show you things where you need to, to ask for forgiveness. He'll show you things you need to confess. That's the way God is because he loves you. He gives you an opportunity to get clean. He gives you an opportunity to be made right. I want to tell you, the devil's a liar. You don't have to hold on to your sin, who you were yesterday. You don't have to be that today. God is a a change specialist. And if you'll be willing and humble and turn that over to God, God will change it. God will remove the past from you, and he'll make you a new person in one moment of time. That's grace. That's grace. Grace is not you can live in your sin. That's not grace. In fact, Paul said, God forbid. What is grace? God's invitation to change. That's grace. You don't have to stay hard-hearted. You don't have to stay a liar. You don't have to stay what you once were, a murderer. You don't have to stay what you once were, but God can make you new. We always say it. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Somebody say amen. Amen. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are made new in Christ Jesus. 
That's grace. Not the sloppy stuff being pushed out there. That's grace. Well, what is it about this this shadow? There's something very important I want you to get. You got to get this part. Turn turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. The shadow of the Almighty. It's a little bit ambiguous when you read it right there, but, but the Holy Spirit's about to make it zero in real quick. The shadow. What is it about the shadow of the Almighty? Well, over here in the book of Hebrews, we're going to talk about the way that God set up the temple, the tabernacle, the ark. How many of y'all know what the ark represented? The ark represented the presence of God. You see, us in this dispensation, we, we, we see the cross. This is where we meet God. Before there was a cross, there was an ark. It represented the presence of God. It represented the place where God met his people. It says in verse 4, let's read this, Hebrews 9, verse 4. Well, let's, let's read verse 3. It says, after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, or as you Bible scholars will know, that's the holy of holies. That's where God is. The holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. That's the Ten Commandments. He's just talking about the things that are inside the ark. And look at verse 5. And over it the cherubim of the glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the cherubim overshadowed what? The mercy seat. The shadow of the Almighty is the mercy seat. I want to tell you, there's one, there's one way that people could be made right with God in the Old Testament. That was the mercy seat. See, on the mercy seat, they would come and they would, they would bring a blood sacrifice once a year. And they would burn incense. And they would have to change their clothes and take baths and do all the rituals. And that high priest could come in once a year and put the blood of an animal on that mercy seat. And that mercy seat was overshadowed. There was a shadow over that mercy seat. And that mercy seat is that one place where they could access Almighty God. Listen, there's not a thousand ways to God. It's not one of those custom books when you were a kid. Turn to chapter 22 and do it your way. God's not build it yourself. You can't custom make your own God. Doctrine is not a cafeteria. You can't pick and choose what you want and do what you want and do away with what you don't want. In the Old Testament, there was one access to God. That was the mercy seat. If you're going to get right with God, you had to come put blood on that mercy seat. Now let's bring this to the New Testament. That's what he's doing here. There's one place in, the, in here where that blood was applied, where God would meet with men. And God would forgive their sin. Look over their sin once a year. Can I tell you something? Jesus. Jesus is that shadow. 
Jesus is the shadow. That those cherubim overlooked. And that that blood applies to that mercy seat, that one place where you can access God. It's not because you try hard enough, and it's not because you smile big enough, and it's not because you wear the right clothes or you said the magic words. It's because Jesus is the shadow, and he put his blood on that mercy seat, and that is the one and only place God will receive you. You want to be received by God? You come to that mercy seat. What's the mercy seat, Pastor? The cross. The cross is the mercy seat today. Your access to God is your faith in what Christ did at Calvary. There's no other way to God. Can I tell you something? Why is the church in America not preaching the message of the cross anymore? We tell people how to be better people. But I'm telling you, there's one way to God. And it's not through being a better person. It's through being a new person. It's through being changed. That yourself dies with your sin. Romans 6, you get baptized. That means you get buried in the baptism of Christ's death. Releasing who you are. Receiving who He is. As Christ came out of that grave and as the child of God comes out of that water, you come up a new person. No longer who you were. Christ came out of that tomb entirely different than the way He went in. He went in covered by blood, spit, had His beard plucked out, but He came out victorious over death, hell, and the grave, never to die again, ready to be received in glory, exalted by every angel, bowed down and adored from now until eternity ends. That's who our God is. I want you to know God will change you the same way. But you've got to come that one way. That's through the cross. The one and only way that you can be changed is the one thing that people don't preach anymore. I mean, we've taken down the cross off of our platforms. We don't preach the word anymore. We preach moral stories now. We've made the church a nightclub instead of a place where people can come and get right with God. And we wonder why society's collapsing. Can I tell you what Peter said? Peter said judgment starts with the house of God. Until we get it right, we can't expect the world to get it right. We've got to say, you know what, there is only one way. There is a way, but there's only one way, and that's that cross. God can do all He needs to do for you when you come to that cross. All that you need done in you, God can do at that mercy seat. That's the one place God will do, and He will do it. And He's a good shepherd. He knows what He's doing. He's the potter. You're the clay. And if you'll come and humble yourself at that cross, that potter will take you, and He'll make something beautiful out of your life. He'll glorify Himself through you. But today, today, we got hirelings in the church. Talked about this. We got hirelings in the church. Let me close with this in Hebrews. I'm I'm sorry, we're in Hebrews. Job, Job 7, verse 2. Job 7, verse 2. It's pretty eye-opening. You know, God's awesome. 
You see, we, we, we have in, in the church in America, we, we have gone away from the message of the cross. And you have to ask yourself why. Because you have to, you have to surrender. It's not joyful. But until we come to the realization that God chose the cross, he said that the world to the world it's foolishness. To the world it's foolish. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. To the, to the world, that cross is foolish. They mocked him. Why? You, get yourself off that cross. If you are who you say you are, call down those angels. Can I tell you something? He wasn't going to call down one angel because he was buying you. He was buying you. He let every drop of blood come out of his body to buy you. That was the cost for your soul. That was the cost for my soul. I sinned against God. You sinned against God. And the cost to make us right with holy, holy, holy God Almighty was the blood of Emmanuel, God with us. Every drop of blood was paying the debt of our sin, making us right with Him. Now you ask yourself, why is it that we in America, we don't preach the cross anymore? Maybe it's because the enemy don't want people to get right with God. Notice this, it says in verse verse number 2, Job 7 verse 2, there's a difference between a servant and a hireling. Listen to this. This is eye-opening. He said, as a servant earnestly desires the shadow... And as a hireling looketh for the reward of his work. Can I tell you something? A servant looks for the shadow. A hireling looks for rewards. The reward of his work. You know what a hireling's looking for? Put something in this thing. This thing's getting a little thin. A hireling's looking to pad that thing right there. That's why you. That's why sometimes the. I, I praise God. We don't, we don't take up offering here. But you know what? I've been in church services where the offering part was longer than any other part of the service. Why? Hirelings. Hirelings got to have that money. Can I tell you something? God provides for His church. God provides for His church. George Mueller was one of the greatest Christians of all time. He never asked one man for one dollar. And in the 1800s, millions of dollars passed through that man's hands. And he never asked one man for one dollar. How'd he do it? He did it. He wasn't a hireling. God did it. Can I tell you something? A servant will seek for the shadow, a hireling will seek for the reward for payday. You want to know the problem 
is because we're not, we in America, we're not telling people to come into the shadow. We're not telling people to come. Come where those angels covered that mercy seat. That's the cross. We're not leading them to the cross. We're not leading them to the shadow. We're leading them so that we can get our wallets lined. And I want, I want you to know this. I want you to know this. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. You want to come and get right under the shadow of God? That's Calvary. You want to come to the cross? God will meet you there. God will do what he needs to do in you. Don't say, I'm all right. That's the worst thing you can say. You don't know. The Bible says your heart will lie to you. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. Your heart will lie. I'm fine. Ask God if you're fine. At least do that. Before you reject God, before you turn God away, at least stop and say, God, am I right? Do I need you to do something in me, God? And let the Holy Spirit speak. He's not deaf. He's not dumb and he's not mute. His arm's not short. He still works in our generation if we would just simply submit and humble ourselves before him. God would do what we need done. This morning, I want you to know there's a world out there that is terrified by the commotions. And there's a church world that is moved by hirelings. But in between that, in between the hireling and in between the commotion, there's the bride of Christ that is abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And in that place, perfect love is casting out all fear. God is making all things new. God is that fourth man in the fire. In that secret place, God's called the church to live and to abide in that secret place today. I want you to know God's inviting you to that secret place, to dwell in that secret place. The shadow is protection from the heat. This morning, if you need God's hand upon your life, come to the cross. Come to the cross.